You guys asked for it. It's finally here. Carousel Project Inspired Merch. This collection has been on our hearts and minds for a while, and it was finally the time for us to bring it to life. Spinning Carousel Company is a pixie-dusted jewelry company inspired by theme park history and all of our most magical moments. Each piece is custom-designed to represent the unique moments in time of each of your favorite parks. Buy them now at spinningcarousel.com and use code CARUSELPROJECT for 10% off your first order. Thank you all so much for your support. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Carousel Project podcast. We are so excited to chat about today's topic. It's one that'll really stick you. But first, my name is Josie Maida, and you can find me at all socials, on all socials at Josie Maida. And I'm Kate Killebrew. You can find me on all socials at Kate Killebrew. And I'm Epcot Adam, and you can find me on all socials at Epcot Adam. Yeah, you can. All right. Jumping into today's topic, we are going to be talking about Disney pin trading. And I, for one, am very excited because I feel like I'm the biggest pin trader out of this group, which leads us to our question. Are you a pin trader? What is your experience with pin trading? Go. Me? Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, I am not really a pin trader. That's it, which is kind of crazy because if anyone knows me, I'm like the biggest collector. Collection yeah. Collector. You would, if you got into pins, time. it right. would be. It'd be over for you, bitches. Dangerous. Uh, it'd be over for me, actually. <laughs> it would be over for your I bank mean, account. Right. I mean, I have Zoom Zooms, Vinylmation, Funko Pop, Squishmallows, everything. But for some reason, not pins. <laughs> but that's how um, we became friends. If you weren't such a collector, Zoom Zoom. if you and I weren't spending hundreds of dollars on now useless Zoom Zooms, <laughs> we would have never had our friendship. I've so got the investment was things. worth it, I guess. But yes. in a much more real here. sense, it was not worth it. Um. No, not at all. <laughs> but I, I have probably, I don't know, 20 or so pins over the years. Like I bought a lot of like pass holder um Mm -hmm. you know epcot festival pins over the years but that's really it um they're fun i like looking at them at the parks and stuff i've never really fully jumped into that um that fandom kato um i am not a pin trader at all um i have a i've probably 15 pins total and kind of like adam i just collect them if it's something special um the most recent pin that Josie and I just got last month was for an attraction that is now gone. So like things like that, I'll get pins for, but I am a, as Josie is a completist. So I would be very stressed. I think if I feel I like we all have that in common pins. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I have to say, I think I'm grateful that when I went in the period that they started, my parents did not allow us to buy, or we didn't ask to buy lanyards, but like they weren't like, do you guys want a lanyard? I think mm-hmm. if they did, my life It'd would look different. a lot differently. The other problem for me with pins, not problem, but the reason I can't do pins is like I would have so much anxiety trying to display mm-hmm. them and yes. organize mm-hmm. them in the best way possible. So, oh, yeah. 
And it's crazy because in these pin trading groups that I'm sure we'll talk about, there are people who have like garages full of pins. Yes. Like there are garages oh, yeah. full of pins that like they know they have it, but they can't look at it because like there's no mm-hmm. way unless there's you're so covering many. all your walls, all your shelves. Like there yeah. are so many pins. Um, yes, I am a pin trader, but I have slowed down quite a bit. So when I went on my like I mean, it wasn't my first Disney trip because my first Disney trip was actually for the Millennium Celebration when I was um, like five. Um, But my first trip when I was 18, like the first trip that I really remember, my mom got us into pin trading. She kind of got one for all of us and I thought it was really fun. I remember my first set was the bowling pin set and it was like a bowling pin with like the villains Mm -hmm. on it. Um, She had bought us like the bags off of eBay that now I know are filled with like fake pins but like we didn't know anything at the time. Like we didn't fake pins like didn't even make sense to us you know what I mean but anyway we um you know I traded and I got that full set and I'm pretty sure after that trip there was like one bowling pin I didn't have so my mom got it for me and gave it to me for like Christmas and then actually I think I'm trying to remember if I got this when she was sick or after she passed away but another set that I had started collecting when we were there for that trip was the rear view mirrors with like the princess's eyes and it says like their name and Mm -hmm. I forget how many there were in the set but there was like a chaser jasmine pin that like I didn't know existed and then I found that it existed and I called her and was so excited and she did get it for me again I don't remember if I got it like right after she passed away I found it or like if she gave it to me right before but so I have sets that'll always be like really that I'll always love but yes I'm very much a completist so it was very expensive and it's also very stressful which we will get into why I know that sounds silly but pin trading can be very stressful but now I'm in a place with pins where like if I really like one and it's for something I'm at, I'll get it. I don't really get them for, like, the festivals anymore because yeah. that was another thing that, like, I was buying just because I felt like I had to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't remember if I got one from the 50th. I did get, like, the Epcot 40th. Um, but, like, I'll typically get them for stuff like that, especially for Epcot. Um, but typically, no, I've stopped buying pins. The last couple I bought were Mickey's of Glendale pins, which Ooh, is a yeah. very specific mm-hmm. cast mm-hmm. store and We'll get into that as well later on in the episode. But um, there are three Meet the Robinson pins that I have from Mickey's of Glendale. One that they came out with years ago, like 2019. And then two that came out in a set recently that I bought. And that's just because there's never any Meet the Robinsons merchandise like ever. Mm -hmm. So I really, really love those ones. So yeah, it's crazy because we're about to move. And so I feel like I'm going to unearth all of my pins that have been put away for so I long. Yeah. I, I can't wait. Um, And then I feel like I need to buy like a pin binder or something to like yeah, put them so away. Yeah, so you can truly oh, yeah. display them. That's, I mean, that's yeah. what I started doing with my maps now that I have my office. It's so nice yeah. to know I can just go flip through all them organized, but instead of it just being a pile somewhere, hoping it's not folding up or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it, it is fun. Like they are very fun to trade. Oh, like yeah. I remember how much fun it was. It's basically like a scavenger hunt at Walt Disney World just for you because there are so many different kind of pins. There are pins that you buy. There are pins that get released just to cast members. So you're really like searching and then you find other guests in the park to trade with and that's mm-hmm. a whole part of it. So I definitely really liked it on my first trip that I went on with with my family I feel like it added like a whole nother layer and I totally understand why people get into pin trading um 
because it is super, super fun. Um, but the history behind it is also really, really cool. So I'm ready to dive in. Well, you before, got, before we dive in, I think it's important for us to explain why we're talking about this episode, um, this topic for this episode. Um, season, this season that we're in was the first season that we allowed our e-ticket members of our Patreon to decide on an episode topic for the season. So we gave them mm-hmm. three topics to choose from, and this is the topic that they chose. So Woo-hoo. if you want to have the chance to choose an episode for a future season, be sure to join our Patreon um, in our e-ticket package. They also got to see the full list of episodes and bonus episodes before they came out. So they know every episode we're covering this season. So yep. Lucky people. Yeah. (laughs) And you could be a lucky person, too. You could. (laughs) What I love about this specific episode is that we talk a lot about history, but the um, Carousel, I almost said Spinning Carousel Co., which is our jewelry (laughs) brand, (laughs) Carousel Company. Oh, my gosh. Now, I did it to Carousel Project. What's this podcast podcast called? What is this podcast called, anyway? Carousel Um, Project. The (laughs) The coolest thing about Carousel Project is that we talk about not only the history, but the marketing. And sometimes that's really hard. And I feel like in this case, it's a little bit easier. Um, There wasn't a ton of information, but I feel like there was some. And that's better than sometimes when we find nothing. So Before we start in the Disney pin trading history, I thought we would talk about like the history of pin trading in general. That sounds cool. Did you guys look up anything on that? Or I don't want to jump anybody, but no, 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 go for no, it. I go figured for it. I figured it came from. It obviously had to come from somewhere before Disney started doing this. So, um, pin trading actually originated at the first Olympic Games in Athens back in 1896. What? Um, and back wow. then, pins were primitive and they consisted of round cardboard with ribbons attached, and it was a way of um, identifying athletes and officials for the Olympics, and then. Ten years later, in 1906, trading pins uh, were like a feature. It was the first time they featured the nation's flags, and they were actually a part of the opening ceremonies. And then since then, um, pin trading has become a big thing within the Olympics community. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, it's just made its way into other things like baseball, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I was actually surprised to find out, which I'm sure y'all may have already known this, or maybe it's common knowledge, but I, I never really paid attention to merchandise at six or seven years old when I was there. So I just assumed that like this pin thing, like they didn't start until 99 when everything began, but Disney pins, uh, go back as far as 1930. Um, so they've had, Disney's had pins created as far back as 1930 with the issuance of the, um, Mickey's Mickey Mouse Club pin. Um, and then the very next year, Con, um, Con and Rosenberg got the license to produce Disney pins. Um, and then in 1935, Briar Manufacturing joined as well. Um, and by 1940, they were releasing pins for movies like Pinocchio, eventually um, Fantasia. And then by 1975, we would see Howard Eldon Limited being hired by Disney to supply theme park pins for the Disney store, not the Disney store, but stores and then like within the parks. So they started out with six styles, um, Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Donald, 
Daisy, Goofy, and Pluto, but by the next year, they would add Snow White, Pinocchio, and Cinderella. Mm -hmm. But 1982, the opening of Epcot, was when they really started to grow that collection. Um, And then after the 1984 Summer Olympics in L.A., uh, they they grew it even more. But 1986 for um, Walt Disney World's 15th anniversary, Coca-Cola wow. released 60 different character pins and seven different theme sets. So that Which was kind so of cute. like, yeah, that was kind of like the biggest I I found so far for Disney. Um, and that set was a really, really big deal. I found a few collections of them on eBay, and I'll try to include one of the links of them. It looks like the sets were all based around movies. Like, they had one for Dumbo and one for, um, I think, Snow White, things like that. And then there was, like, a big pin in the middle that said, like, Walt Disney World 15th, like, happy 15th birthday kind of thing. But um, mm-hmm. all the pins had characters on them, and then underneath the character had, like, the Coca-Cola, like, banner of with course. Coca-Cola. <laughs> so, um, Which just adds another layer on of, like, marketing and partnership, and Coca-Cola is yes. such a, a long-standing partnership yeah. with Disney. So it's really cool to see that, like, so early on they were working in other partnerships, and pins are just, they are really, really cool. Well, like I said, for me, I... I wouldn't have thought, you know, I wouldn't have known that they had pins available in the parks, you know, th- that many decades ago. Like, yeah, you know, from I like opening day. It, I did not know, you know? that. Right. I don't, um, I don't remember that at all from my childhood. Like, I just I remember like, you know, probably like early 2000s is when it really started like taking off as far as I could tell. Yeah, yeah, so I just wanted to throw that little Disney timeline in there before we get to like the big year of the pin, you know, pin fandom and pin trading beginning, but right. that's all. And also like some, I never really thought of it in a pin trading sense, but you mentioned the, the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. And I know both my parents and my grandparents volunteered at those Olympics. I, I don't know what they did, but they volunteered in some fashion. Yeah. And they, they all have like pin collections from there. Oh, wow. Like some of them are oh, like displayed so cool. in like a frame. Some of them just are in like bags and stuff. But I know like, you know, my, both my grandparents passed away um, years ago, but when we were going through their stuff, we found dozens of pins all from the 84 Olympics. That's so but cool. I, I never thought of it in like a pin trading sense. I just figured like, oh, they probably got the, you know, just bought these and that was it. But apparently like trading was a thing for the Olympic pins as well. And maybe some just bought the set and then maybe like some people traded from the sets to get something else they want. You know what I mean? Right. But um, I was, I was interested to see that. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like Disney didn't create pin trading but I was like, where did it come from? <laughs> so yeah, no, yep. that was a very crazy. smart, super helpful background information. And it Thanks, is crazy, Kate. especially Kate is the best historian in the world. <laughs> um, but it is crazy Ever. to think about that, you know, after all Kate just shared that, you know, there were pins in the parks starting on day one, it took a really long time for those pins um, to morph into pin trading, which is kind of crazy because it sounds like pin trading, you know, it's not like Disney created it so i saw that there was um an odyssey of the minds function where students were trading pins and that kind of like prompted the idea so odyssey of the minds um, is a creative problem solving program involving students from kindergarten through college um they work together to solve um a long-term problem and present their solution kind of crazy that they start that in kindergarten but okay yeah Yeah. (laughs) um 
And so I guess they were doing pin trading. It was at an event at Walt Disney World, right, Kate? Yes. Yeah, so basically, were doing I went on. Yeah, I went on their. I went on their website and I tried to do as much digging around as I could. Um, they've been doing pin trading at their events. The pin trading for their events specifically started in like the the early '90s. But the reason it stood out to Disney is in 1998, May of 1998, um, Odyssey of the Mind had its world finals or whatever at um wide world of sports complex at walt disney world so i guess disney got a front row seat to this Mm -hmm. phenomenon and was like wow you know they we have pins just sitting here and i'm pretty sure one of the articles that i read like within the odyssey of the mind site was talking about some event they were having at epcot as a part of that weekend so they may have had you know set up some trading event you know in epcot or something and so with the millennium celebration the next year and the celebration not starting till october 1st there was a lot of time you know to kind of figure that out for especially again because it wasn't like they were starting from scratch they already had pins they just kind of needed to set up this infrastructure and Mm -hmm. there are rules and guidelines and etiquette that like are officially from disney on pin trading um Mm -hmm. but pin trading was kicked off october 1st 1999 in conjunction with the Millennium Celebration. Um, and the pin trading was only supposed to be around for the celebration. And honestly, I heard it was only, but yeah, only till in the year 2000. Like it was supposed to be from October 1st, 1999 until like the end of 2000. And that was it. Mm-hmm. The Millennium Celebration ended January 1st, 2001. Um, but it was really, really popular and of course, really, really lucrative. Yes. And so yes. they decided to keep it around. Um, I think we can see that in the fact that pin trading in Disneyland didn't begin until February 17th, 2000. So they, I mean, mm-hmm. but that's still pretty quick because it started in October 1st, 1999, was supposed to only be for the Millennium Celebration for, you know, the year 2000. And then February 17th, 2000, it started in Disneyland, which to me it probably is when they started being like, okay, this might be a permanent thing. Yeah, right. and there was a lot that went into that um, initial pin trading push at Epcot. Like, yes. I found a lot of articles about, like, some of the, th- like, incentives and stuff they were doing, and mm-hmm. it's kind of wild. Um, yeah, and the where the note I found was that it start it started um, in April in Disneyland, but it could be February. I I couldn't find much at all about when they started, except I know Tokyo they started in November of two thousand. Um, oh, okay. The the number that I found, the date that I found was yeah. from a Disney Parks blog oh, perfect. article. Perfect. So it was February 17th, uh, 2000 is the date for Disneyland that was given in the Disney Parks blog article that mm. was celebrating 10 years of pin trading by oh, cool. Stephen Miller, who's actually a really cool guy. Yeah. So he had said that the 10-year anniversary, like that's what it would be, February 17th, 2000. So cool. Wow. That's Kelsey's um, birthday. Aw, very sweet. So um Yeah, and also according to that article, they were saying how that's where he said like it was only supposed to be done until the year of 2000, but I thought it was really cool because there he specifically called out that like it was a marketing thing, like Mm -hmm. that they did this to market the celebration, that this was supposed to add like another layer to it because they were celebrating the future hand in hand. So this kind of went with it, you know, we had kind of like an Olympic vibe in Epcot of like all the countries coming together, we're celebrating Mm -hmm. the future hand in hand, people are coming together, sharing stories, trading goods, trading pins. So it kind of really all did go together. Um, 
And I think it was really, really creative marketing that I feel like we don't get to see often because it's a kind of marketing that, you know, is taking a risk that people have to be interested and want to spend their money on it and want to collect. But when it works out, it really works out because it, you know, kind of creates a frenzy. It makes people want to come back and it creates a community within, you know, their product, which was the Disney park. So I think it was really, really, really smart. And what a fun thing to do for the millennium celebration, which wasn't even celebrating anything happening in Disney history. It was just celebrating the world and culture and 2000 years. Um, to not yeah yeah um and so (laughs) it's just crazy because for their own 50th anniversary we didn't um anyways we can't talk uh, about it we we in 2023 we are not reflecting as this celebration this long long overdue end comes to an end we have it's already basically like i'm like what and yet and yet it's here through the end of march for whatever reason i i have no idea but um (laughs) We're going to just we're just going to pretend like it was a nightmare and I'm just going to rewatch the 25th anniversary coverage and just pretend, yes. you know? Mhm. Mhm. We we are bringing the we are bringing the positive, the positive energy. But uh speaking of non-money grabs uh that Disney used to do, um part of an incentive for this for millennium celebration that they did to try to encourage people to pin trade and like um, communicate with other people and all that kind of stuff was um, Jim Green, who was a lead for the team that spent two to three years kind of developing the the pin trading guidelines and stuff. He said um, that they actually would offer a free flex pin to guests who had a hotel package. And it was a celebrate the future hand in hand pin that was Basically, more of an unattractive pin, like a pin that people necessarily wouldn't want to keep. And they would let them know at that point, like, oh, you can go up to a cast member with black lanyards and go and trade and get a pin you'd like. And then from Mm -hmm. there, um, you know, the pin training obsession would begin. And they said over the next 18 months, they would give out um, more than 1.5 million free pins um, through that kind of initiative. But I thought that was cool because, you know... Probably exactly what happened to my parents. They walked by these carts with lanyards and stuff, and they were like, we do not want to get into this with, like, our three kids. But if we would have stayed at a Disney hotel and they would have given us each, like, mm-hmm. a pin and said, oh, when you're yeah. in Epcot tomorrow, go find, you know, go once find you a start cast member with a black lanyard. And then, mm-hmm. you know, my brother loved Buzz Lightyear at the time. So if we would have found a Toy Story or Buzz Lightyear, then my mom would be like, oh, well, we need to find more. You know what I mean? Like, it was such, again, like a smart marketing promotional technique to kind of get even an additional group of people in on this potential obsession. So um, I thought that was some really cool insight. They also said that the Disney design group was responsible for the creation of the pin images. And on average, it took 180 to 200 days to turn a Disney pin concept into a reality to be sold. So So like six plus months. Yeah. So it took, it took a little bit of time. Um, I did find that the first series of official trading pins issued by Disney was the countdown to the millennium series that had 101 pins and they were sold at the Disney stores in, um, from October, 1999 to December, 1999, they would release seven to eight of these pins a week leading up to yeah, the I end of the year. Yeah, I heard that they released like one a day and it, like, oh, that's a different, it's such a, 
that's a different yeah. series? That, well, seven different. to eight a week would be about one a day. Well, these are completely different things. Like the countdown to the Millennium series was like a Disney store thing. Mm -hmm. So these were, um, like I was saying, seven to eight a week were released um, October 1999 to December 1999. So only up until 2000. It was a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And in those, there were a hundred and there were actually a hundred and two pins because there were supposed to be a hundred and one. But the Davy Crockett pin was printed wrong with the wrong date, so they had to reprint it. So some people have 102 if they have the full collection for that. Um, And then the pin collection that you're talking about, that was the... Let me find the name. I think that was the... Yes, that was the Special Millennium Pins collection that one consisted of 459 pins in total so basically so basically those pins were released like josie said one a day at epcot for the entire celebration so since the celebration had 459 days they would release 459 pins but what made the pins really cool is that um all of the pins would make up a like a photo mosaic scene from Epcot. Um, They would make up a series of 15 photo mosaic scenes um, if you could collect all 459. So let's do it, guys. For me, I was like, well, what if you can't be in Epcot 459 days Every single day. Well, that's why it creates, yeah, and then you have to... You have to trade. But no, I was talking about the ones from the Disney store. I didn't know the ones from Epcot existed. Oh, you did? I have some of the ones from the Disney store and like their backing is really cute. But I don't think I knew. I mean, yeah, I think I heard like bits and pieces of both. But I don't, I haven't seen the ones from Epcot. But I was like, this kind of makes sense that there would be something like that. Like if they're going to do it at the Disney store, they should do it at Epcot because that creates a lot of frenzy. That creates trading because at least now what people do is they will buy an extra of a pin knowing that the next day it's going to be a great trader. You know what I mean? So like you said, people can't be there every single day. So the people who were local who were there a lot probably bought like doubles on a lot of days to make sure that they'd be able to use those to trade. Well, the cool thing with the Countdown to Millennium series that was for the Disney stores was that – one of the articles I read, they were talking about like the community that was created by people showing up on those Saturday mornings, you know, mm-hmm. an hour before, two hours before. Then they started, you know, having their own pin trading nights with the people. And, you know, they, like you said, they they were allowed to buy two, so they'd buy both. So they could, mm-hmm. like two of each, so they could trade. But um, back to this set at Epcot, because it gets crazier. Um, so like we said, what about guests who can't be there every day? Um, Disney offered a millennium pin club for the first 2000 members to sign up. So basically if you signed up for this club, if you were one of the 2000 in the year 2000, um, you would have to pay a membership cost of $3,000, which sounds like a lot, but pins were costing between they cost between six and twelve dollars at this time, so you could get four hundred and fifty nine pins f- framed, put together. Um, they would frame it for you and everything uh, for three thousand. I mean, I did the math. 
Uh, at $6 a pin, I think it was a little more than $2,700 for 459 pins. So probably about $6.66. Um, but I also found out in addition to that, they would also get four exclusive pins crafted together into a special timepiece. Um, they'd also get a certificate that was signed by the photo mosaic artist. That's insane. And mm -hmm. if they mentioned the Disney magazine, which is where this ad was from... If they mentioned the Disney magazine when they made their purchase, they would also receive $500 in Disney dollars. What? For saying, hey, I saw for this in Disney magazine. Like, I saw about the Holy Millennium Club. Holy crud. That yeah. is Whoa. absolutely wild. Like, the things that they used yeah. to do, the things that they used to do. And you know what? So many people probably did it. And just, yeah. just to give you an idea of what some of these, like, photo mosaic pins looked like what I'll put the link to the thing but just for us while we're talking they had one of the framed images that looks like the test track car like it's a photo of the test track car going across a curb one is like the Moroccan ta you know the, the tower in Morocco one is like the yeah. Canada pavilion but they're all made up of little pins that are little images 459 to make 15 of these and they look so awesome on this ad so anyway, Disney really thought of anything, everything like they really did for this. I, I was really surprised by that. That is absolutely insane. But that's what they did back then. Like everything really was did. fanfare. Everything was something like really, really cool. Like I just feel like. Why can't we? And and pin trading is bigger now. Yeah. Like, think about this. This mm -hmm. was back when they were kind of just starting. So they were taking right. A pretty this big is risk. the beginning. And then one more initiative that I saw that they did to, again, try to get, um, you know, guests to interact, interact with the cast members is they released a series of Walt Disney World cast lanyard collection pins. So these pins, like Josie said earlier, were only given to cast members. And so, you know you could only get them from a cast member if you traded. So um, yeah. they did that series every every single year. Basically, they continued it on, and it went through a few name changes through the years. Um, but one thing that we would see come out of this was the start of the hidden Mickey symbol on pins because yes. um they wanted i think it was in they said in 2007 they made that switch for these cast pins because um traders were complaining that it was difficult to figure out which ones were like cast pins and now across the board we see the mickey but i guess at that time they were like how do we know it's a cast you know how do we know yeah. it's one of these special pins so i thought that was interesting um how that came to be and it's interesting to see that that idea is is still going all these years later because pin trading has certainly pin trading has certainly changed but all of these years later they still have um they still have pin sets that come out just for cast members. And yeah. I remember when I was working there, like that was what I was so excited to like wear the lanyards. And it is really cool on the days when they launch those collections, because normally you just have a bunch of like crappy scrappers, you know, yeah. but when they launch those, it's really, really cool. And they are cute and they normally have like a little chaser. And again, it's really fun. It's like a scavenger hunt and they do come out with such cute ones. And then, have you guys ever heard of the term super traders? 
No, I have never heard of the term no, but super I want to triggers. Be one. So again, one of these articles I was reading, Disney Magazine really put out some content on pin trading between the 2000s, like early 2000s, 2001. So I read an article about a girl, Amy Johnston, who was a, her title at Disney was super trader. And basically it think like super greeter, but pin trading. So what she did is she would walk around the park freely in a vest completely covered in pins. So instead of just oh a lanyard, she had a vest front and back covered in pins. And in the article where Disney Magazine was interviewing her, they were asking, like, how many pins a day do you trade? Like, how many, you know, how many do you hold? So she was saying she could, fold, she could hold about 70 pins on her vest because they're very heavy. So she couldn't hold more than that. And she was saying by the end of the day, she'd have 70 new pins. Like, people were just constantly trading. And that's such a good idea because even mm. to this day, there are some like people who are pin traders just like on their mm. own and mm. they will go to the parks and wear things yeah, like that. Yeah. And people mm-hmm. stop them all day. <laughs> oh, long. yeah. So oh, if yeah. there was a yep. cast member walking around like that with like fresh new pins from the company, like absolutely they would be getting. And I, I did see that they did back then have like it was supposed to be one cast member per location who had the lanyard on mm-hmm. so that like people would have to go find them again, kind of yeah, adding yeah. to that like frenzy feeling of like and that scavenger hunt feeling of like oh my gosh I have to go find them well for this it was kind of cool because she said she was one of five in Epcot and keep in mind this was in fall of 2001 so at this point there may have actually had like these super traders in all four of the parks you know who knows um but she was also talking about how they were doing daily workshops for guests as well about pins letting them know what pins were going to be coming out how they could get them where they could find them and she said from time to time they would even release mystery pins and kind of surprise the people that were at these daily workshops um Mm -hmm. and she explained that the mystery pins would be like 500 to 1,000, they would release all at once. Which I know for us now, like, mystery pin packs are, like, a big thing. But Mm -hmm. I'm thinking back then, it was much more a matter of, like, these are the pin collections we're releasing. Oh, wait, but here's a mystery pin. We've only got 500 or 1,000. You know what I mean? Like, it was one of those you had to be there kind of thing, which is kind of cool. I remember when I used to walk around in the Utilidor underneath Magic Kingdom that they had Mm -hmm. so many cool different things down there showing, like, all the different, like, like basically posters with, like, Mm -hmm. pin, you know, whatever, like, like what the pin collections were like. And it was just really, really cool. And I feel like it was, like, this perfect time in history when they did it. And um, I feel like pin trading now is, like, this ugly stepchild. Yeah, and... uh, You know, like, it makes them a lot of money, and they come out with them, but, like, I don't know. I just feel like the love for the trading, especially after the pandemic, has been, like, meh. Yeah, I feel like they they need to, like, figure out a way to get back in. I don't even know, do they, I guess, do they still do, like, official pin events? I mean, I know there's a lot of unofficial events that people do. Right. See, that's the thing. I, when we were doing research, but I tried so I hard Googling to find it, some. Yeah, when I was Googling it, I found a couple, like, unofficial ones, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's mainly it. I worked an official one years ago. Okay, okay. And it was, like, I'm pretty sure, like, a once a year thing, but this was years ago, and I haven't heard... Yeah, I haven't heard of any in in a long time. Because they used to, out here at the Disneyland Hotel, they would do official, like, pin trading nights and official vinylmation trading nights. Yeah, But this is is probably, 
Gosh, I haven't heard about those in, I don't know, five, six years Yeah, at least. I think it's kind of like they're like we're not making that much money off of it. And it's sad mm-hmm. because it's like it was supposed to, I feel like, be really more of like a community piece. Although the pin event that I worked at, like people were paying to be there and then they were buying. It was Walt themed that year. And then I feel like oh. the year after it was like dog themed. Hmm. This was like back in like I think like 2019. Okay. Um, well, the only one I could find that people seem to talk about a lot in different things, which again, nothing more recent about it, but apparently there was like an annual one at Epcot every year in September. Like apparently that was like the official annual mm-hmm. event. I just don't mm-hmm. know if they continued it after the pandemic. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if it continued. Right. I don't um, I haven't heard anything about it, but I yeah, guess I wouldn't same. be the yeah. person. Yeah. But I will say that I always feel like Epcot, like I mean the Millennium Celebration was, yeah. was out of Epcot. That's what I was um, thinking it made sense. I feel like Epcot started. Was, yeah, I feel like Epcot was always kind of the pin trading park. That's mm-hmm. where they have the pin event that I worked at in the World Showplace. And that's I feel that like may was, have been the same event. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, I think so. And because so, it didn't have a name, it just said the annual event. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I feel like. I don't know, maybe the reason I feel like pin trading isn't as been big post-pandemic is because, of course, cast members weren't doing it for a while. But before Epcot, like before the construction, mm-hmm. right in the front, those benches near like Fountain View and Inventions, that is where pin traders would set up because it was Dang. right near the pin trading booth. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they yeah. would set up like everything. They would have pin boards. They would have pin backpacks. They would have, you know, pin vests and pin, and you could stand there trading for hours. I do have a friend who's too, like I know pin trades and she posted actually just yesterday, she posted like great trading day at Epcot. So I feel like if you're in the know, it's still, it's still a, a pin thing. park, but this used to be like, you could not walk into Epcot without seeing them. And oh, now yeah. it's like, I don't really know where the pin trading spot is or if there even like is one. Well, not to derail for a second, but um, we talked about this before we got on the screen, before we got on there. So Tokyo Disneyland, they they do not allow pin trading as of Whoa. 2000, really? as of 2002. So keep in mind, it came to the park in November of 2000. It was such why. a, it was such a frenzy that apparently they had to shut it down because That's it wild. was like people were just like taking up the, you know, taking up too much space with like pin collections, pin trading, whatever. Mm -hmm. So apparently they still sell pins, but like I went to the Tokyo Disney site and it says like, Tokyo Disneyland does not do pin trading. Like it's on the site and it's everywhere. I feel like that's because, like, people in Japan, like, their they culture is very merch. into, like, Not kawaii. Not crazy, but, like, yeah. very into it. Yeah. No, but I mean. crazy about Not it. Like, in like a they negative love it. way. No, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. a I positive know what you meant. way. Crazy about it. Yeah. Not, yeah. Yep. And it's because... It's the merch capital over into, there. Yeah. it's They create yeah. really beautiful stuff. They... Mm-hmm. I feel like just the culture is around, like, kawaii and collecting. And we see that with Duffy Bears. And so I could totally see how pin trading would be huge there. It's sad that they kind of just shut it down, because I feel like that must have been such a fun moment in time yeah, but I'm seriously. sure many of those guests traveled over to Walt Disney World or Disneyland for the pin trading they had and then Adam you said there are some benches at Disneyland where people like are known to pin trade yeah um if you're walking like from the hub into Frontierland as soon as you get into Frontierland on the right hand side there's actually a pin store like you know an official Disney pin store oh, but yeah, then yeah. there's maybe four to six benches in that area where any day you walk in there you'll just see people with binders full of, yeah. of pins That's awesome. taking up the benches and it's a huge controversy all these people are pissed because they want a place to sit 
And then all these pin traders are like, screw you, we're going to trade our pins here right. yeah. find somewhere else. So it's it's a big controversy in the Disneyland um, community out here. And I think that kind of brings it to today. And like we said, like I feel like Disney is not really investing as much into the community aspect of pin trading anymore, but they are certainly making sure that there are pins at every oh, freaking yeah. event. Um, yep. And I think Kate and I both, when we were prepping for this episode, we're talking about what we saw at D23. So the more entrenched you are in the pin trading world, you learn all the different things like the chasers and the hidden Mickey collections and Mickey's of Glendale, which I mentioned earlier, is part of the Disney cast store, but it's only in Disneyland. So it kind of sucks for people out here at Walt Disney World because you can now they have a buying online feature, but only for certain collections. But basically they create like these beautiful pins that are like a little bit bigger and they're between like, I don't know, 25, 30, maybe $50. Maybe they are more if they're bigger, but you know, they're not crazy, but people will resell them at some of them for so much money. Like when I used to be on the pin trading groups on Facebook, there were people who sold them for like thousands of dollars. And the people who run the pin trading groups on Facebook, like literally just started a Facebook group and allow people to buy, buy, sell and trade in there. They're rich. They're loaded. But Mickey's of Glendale is like, I feel like where a lot of really, really coveted pins come from because they're really difficult to get. And Kate and I saw firsthand how absolutely insane it was at D23. Oh, yeah. I mean, like we said already, I'm not the biggest pin trader. I appreciate what it is. And don't get me wrong. You'll catch me looking at pins when I go somewhere. I love to see what they do with them. But um, to see the excitement and the anticipation of these people who are waiting like hours and hours before Mm -hmm. the event would even start to where you could go buy the pins like for me and don't get me wrong we know I love Disney merch but I was like the commitment and the it would have been so absolute yeah and for me to have waited in that line and potentially not be able to get what I wanted because Mm -hmm. the first person came in and brought like six friends and they can each get two you know what I mean like it's yeah yeah that's what I meant by insane was like it was just insane that like not the people, and it wasn't but just one Disney. day. It was like every day of the, it was that every expo. day. So they Disney had different basically, pins. Yeah, basically every day the Mickey's of Glendale at the expo was releasing different pins for wow. each day. So people who were pin traders who were at the expo, you know, there were a lot of booths, you know, with um, people with small shops or people mm-hmm. would set up booths to trade. Yeah. Um, but people who like to trade pins, that's what they were doing every morning was getting to the convention center super, super early, l- sitting on the floor and waiting. And then they also had like a virtual queue. And I think you could yes. do both. Like you could wait on the floor and, and do the virtual. virtual queue. So if you weren't waiting on the floor and you were just in the virtual queue, I think even if you were like one of the first in the virtual queue, you still might not get what you want because everybody else who was waiting on the floor had to go first. So it was just yeah. to me, not that the people were insane, but it was insane that the way Disney did no, it because no, basically yeah. like if you were a pin fan you had to be there every single morning because every single morning there were different drops um with all different collections and if you weren't there you might not get anything so the part yeah the part was, for me really that wild. I wasn't grasping and that Josie had to explain to me was like she told me about this for the first day and I was like okay so like the first day goes by like if they have any left whatever and she's like no there's different pins like every single day so you had to fully commit your morning and I guess your evening the night before depending on what time you need to go to sleep and get there but I guess the one good thing is 
for that, they're stuck in that line for so long, they could potentially be trading and bonding yeah. a with lot all of those people, people which is kind yeah. of fun, I guess. The community, yeah. you know? It is a very, I, I think it's a really sweet part of like the Disney community. There are some people who do it who are just absolute evil buttholes and that's yes. what I read too. they really that's a nice are way of putting it. like yeah. there are people who are honestly you're like bro it's a Disney pin like at the end of the day it's a Disney pin but there are people who are absolutely evil but like then there are people sharks. who are great <laughs> yeah yep. which is insane v- Vinylmation had the same thing there were people like I was much more a part of that community and there mm-hmm, were people mm-hmm. in there that were complete as Josie put it, buttholes. And like just jerks for no good reason. But I feel yeah. like there are really great moments of community. Oh, and I'll never course. forget when they did yeah. the Mickeys of Glendale release for the Meet the Robinsons collection. The first time, it was in 2019. It was right after I lost my mom. I really wanted them. And they were actually doing that release here in Walt Disney World. They were doing a Mickeys of Glendale release in person at the Contemporary. But I couldn't go because I worked in a PR firm Monday through Friday. And it was during the week. And it sucked. Um, and I met somebody on like a pin trading group. And like, I was like, I kind of had posted like, Hey, if anyone's going, let me know. And you know, of course I was willing to pay more, but they just charged me like what they paid for the pin because like we had like this connection and it was really, really sweet. So it is a really great Mm -hmm. way to like build community. And if you're, you know, looking for like a part of the Disney community to get involved in. It's crazy that like within the Disney community, there's micro communities, you know, like trading or history or Disney style or bounding or whatever it might be. And it can be a really, 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 really nice community. Um, But definitely there are some people in Disney pin trading who are the worst. Well, and I do want to like kind of talk about some of the other merchandise crazes that there are out there. But before we do, while I was looking online on the Disney, well, Disney World's website today about pin trading, I found that apparently in Dinoland USA, they have the Mm -hmm. world's largest pin truck. Um, near Chester and Hester's Dino Treasures. Um, Uh It's not a pin trading location. Um, It's called Pins of Extinction. And they basically just have, like, framed shadow boxes where you can, like, learn about certain, like, past collections. Like, they talked about this collection they have at Disneyland from July of last year called Disneyland is Home. Um, They talked about Mickey's Mm -hmm. 90th collection. Um... I don't know how often they swap them out, but I did think it was kind of cool and it's a great way for people to go in and kind of learn about what pin trading is and kind of see like right. how the collections work. Um, they had the article I saw, it has like the windows of magic collection, which they're all like stained glass windows with different yeah. characters on them. They've had, they, and they, um, they do come up with some really like creative, creative pins yeah. and that's so fun. Like, and again, within pin trading, like what do you collect? Do you, you know, you can't yeah. really collect everything. So it's like what characters, what stories. It is a really, really fun way for you to show your Disney side. Remember when that was a Oh, yeah. Campaign? Hashtag <laughs> Disney side. When yeah. That was a campaign. I just, I just oh, thought yeah. that was interesting that they had that kind of set up over in Dino right. Land. I kind of, maybe when we're there for the 25th, we, we can should go, go walk over, over there, there and see. I'm, yeah. I probably walked by it, you know. Dozens, oh yeah, if not hundreds of times in my life, and never mm-hmm. looked twice. But well, um, it sounds like they only set it up recently. Like I think it got set up maybe in like oh, September, okay. or October of last <laughs> year. Like it's pretty recent. Oh, so it's a new thing. Um, okay. from what I understand, I mean, it's set up like basically right in front of the souvenir store. Mm-hmm. This picture I'm mm-hmm. seeing, and I'm gonna put the article in the show notes. But you know, it's 
it's think that big truck that's out there like they basically yeah. just put yeah. the big board there and it has like framed shadow boxes with the different collections and apparently the cast members there are there to tell you about pin trading and how it works and that kind of stuff but you cannot trade pins there specifically so. okay which is pretty cool yeah. that they like you know have somewhere to teach people about it it's cool that they have mm-hmm. something somewhere mm-hmm. um but i feel like for pin trading i feel like for right now the events are kind of done the community is in the hands of you know the fans and it's really really cool to look back and to see what a successful marketing campaign this was because it was something that was so successful that it's lasted you know 22 years past when yeah. they thought it was going to and i mean it really I think it could be argued not the trading aspect, but I mean, also kind of the trading aspect. I I feel like it led to so many different other collections of merchandise we've seen since, like Adam talked oh, yeah. about with the vinyl mations. Even now with like the mun- the Munchlings, Wishable, Tsum Tsums, uh, people were collecting magic bands. They tried to make it a thing. I mean, it's still technically a thing on the website with the keys, like keys for different things. Disney oh, yeah. trying people to get do. people yeah. to do those. There are people who do um, like hidden key bags. I mean, I completely agree with you. I yeah. think it created Even magnets like, could hey, be we argued. have this frenzy where mm-hmm. we can keep keep pushing something similar and people you know are going to want it and going to want to trade and create like a little community and they do i did Mm -hmm. see that on shop disney they do something called pintastic tuesday where that's when they release their newest latest featured pins um and i went on there today to just see what they had because it is a tuesday when we're recording this and they had um seven disney 100 characters up uh when i checked this morning and when i checked again right before we recorded one of the seven which was stitch already sold was out. already sold out like it wasn't there anymore they of just had six left so they they went ahead and pulled like they did chewbacca they did um iron man they had stitch um they had moana they so they i feel like they tried to pull characters from different elements of disney's brands um but i'm assuming they're going to be releasing maybe seven to eight of those a week for the next few weeks um yeah. since disney 100 is about to kick off um in what a few weeks like it's yeah. about to kick off yeah so i thought that was interesting that it's a smaller level but disney's still doing a little something for you know because mm-hmm. i think disney store like physical locations stopped selling pins before they all went out of business like you could only get them on shop disney or like in the theme parks from what i understand Mm -hmm. like they they weren't doing them as heavily in the disney store locations anymore and now that's not even a thing but um i did think that was interesting that they're marketing like pintastic tuesdays yeah I do. I think it's really, really cool. I'm so excited to see what they do next. Hopefully there's a little more, uh, hopefully it'll feel a little more jazzed for the Disney 100. Um, but I, I think that's it for me for pin trading. I think that's that's where we leave her and we see how she continues on. It's also cool that we're talking about something that like is still happening in the parks, you know, because so many times we're talking about a celebration that's over and done. And so it's right. been really fun to talk about something that we've all kind of experienced in some way or another and that we can, you know, maybe revisit. Maybe something crazy will happen, you know. It's, it's really, really cool to be able to chat about something that um, is such a cool piece of Disney history but is still a huge part of the parks today. Yeah, and a way, like, 
something that could be either like very extreme for people where it's like their whole thing or just something where someone wants to remember their one trip in their life to Disney and they grab a pin, you know, like I think it's so cool that like you said, it's still such a big thing today. But um, I did want to end with the most expensive pin that was ever created. Um, Let's do it. It's the Dream Jeweled Mickey Mouse pin. Um, It was covered with over 130 different semi-precious stones, and it retailed at $1,295. And the limited release for this was just three. There were only three of them made. So holy crap! I feel like they could have charged more. Honestly, yeah. they could honestly, do something like that every week, grand. and these pin people would. I mean, buy them. I guess we. I guess. I guess I should have tried to figure out when this was released because I mean, maybe it was released fifteen years ago or something. Mm-hmm. But now, yeah, I feel like that would have probably been like a five thousand dollar pin mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Well, that's all for today's episode of the Carousel Project podcast. Thank you so much for talking pin trading with Mm -hmm. us. If you want to talk some more, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at any time. I will definitely be thrilled to chat about pin trading with any of you. You can find us on Instagram at Carousel Project Podcast. And as always, we are still collecting those five-star reviews. Adam's favorite number, as you all know, for his next birthday question quiz in November yes. is not five. It's yes. not 19, Paul. It's Listen not. Up, Paul. It's five. I'm, I'm singling you out, Paul. Okay, anyway. So we're still collecting five-star reviews. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Or you can leave us a five-star review on um, Spotify. Either way, we would be so grateful. All those reviews help more people to find out what we're about and get even more Carousel Project podcast friends. So we would really appreciate it. Yep. And another way to help us get more Carousel Project podcast friends, which is a mouthful, is by sharing us with your friends and family. It's crazy to think that we're coming to the end of season five. But we've got... So many great episodes that we've done already and even better ones to come in the future. Speaking of season five, like we said at the beginning of the episode, this topic was selected by our e-ticket Patreon members. So this was the first season of that. But moving forward, before the season begins, we'll be giving those e-ticket members three different topics to choose from and they get to vote on what they want us to cover for that upcoming season. So if you want to be in that number... Check out our show notes and join our Patreon. Yes, definitely. We'd love to have you. We'd yes. absolutely love to have you. Last but certainly not least, thank you all so, so much for listening to the podcast. For so long, we had questions about if we were going to create Carousel Project merchandise. We have kind of created Carousel Project Basically. merchandise. Basically, Spinning Carousel Company is a Disney history-inspired brand and we create different pieces of jewelry for any Disney fan in your life. Um, Kate and I have taken on this endeavor this year and it's been a ton of work but just like the podcast it's been absolutely incredible. So if you're a fan of the podcast and you're looking for that merch, if you're one of the people who's reached out via DM or email that's where you can find our merch right now is spinningcarousel.com Thank you all again so much for listening. Bye! Bye. Love you. Love Love you. you. Bye. What the hell? Let's have some fun on this podcast. Watch out. (laughs) Only you can control how much fun you have.